Well, thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. This week we're talking about the Gospel of John. If you want more information and you want to know more about Park Hills, go to Park Hills Church app or parkhillschurch.com. So I've had fun doing the Gospels this way. Yeah, for sure. It's been kind of nice to be able to just walk through them this way. And so obviously today is our final Gospel episode. Sorry, everybody, to let you down. There's only four. We can only do what we can do. We didn't. That's true. I suppose we could do the... <laughs> no. The, oh, no? Okay. No, that's not. I won't even say them out loud. They don't deserve <laughs> that. <laughs> We've gone apocryphal. Yeah. <laughs> So, and if you have no idea what that means, you consider yourself blessed. Yeah. Your uh, life is better than, than ours, knowing those words and what that means. So, we've talked through each of the four Gospels. We're on John. Uh, you know, we've talked about the audience each time, who it's re- being written to. And so, we said with Matthew, it's a bit of a Jewish feel, right? It's, it's got some beautiful elements of Judaism tied into it. Mark was clearly written to a Roman audience, quick, fast-paced. You know, we talked about it possibly being a play. You know, with, with Luke, we said it was clearly written to a Gentile or Greek audience. Got some really significant a- aspects there. Uh, who's the audience for John? Well, uh, let's just call it Jews and Gentiles. Let's just call it everybody. Everybody. <laughs> yeah, we have no idea who, who this was written to. We also seem to think that this is the last of the four, right? It, yeah. it feels very different than the other ones. Uh, we have no idea really who it was written to, but... But clearly, what whoever it was written to originally, and whoever it's been passed on to, this book kicks Jesus into the next level of theology, right? Yeah, it's very very theological in that it's really just emphasizing who he is and and where salvation is found, and the emphasis on eternal life just keeps coming up, and but clearly establishing deity. I mean, it it's like. John wants his readers to know that that Jesus was not just a man, you know. Yeah, he was God. He was present at the beginning, you know, and and he starts right out with that, and he wants to wants to establish firmly who Jesus is, and you see the titles of Son of God, Messiah, and Lamb of God, and he he works very hard to make sure that that's clearly established. Yeah, it, it is so unique. Uh, you know, we, we call the other three Gospels the synoptic Gospels. They have a certain element of similarity to, to one another. John has a couple of stories that are tied to the other ones, but most of John's stories are either out of order from the synoptics or they are stories that don't exist anywhere else. And so there's just so much beauty and uniqueness, and you're absolutely right. It, it ultimately dispels him out as he's the Son of God. There is no doubt theologically who he is, which really leads us to the the key verse, doesn't it? I mean, that, yeah. that verse sort of lays out for us what John's all about. Yeah, John 20, 31, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that that believing you may have life in his name. Again, that's that whole, that theme keeps coming up. One must believe in order, in order to live eternally, and, and John wants us to know that, and 
That's why perhaps that we all know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He uh, emphasizes that and wants us to know, but even in that theme verse of John 20, 31, you know, that you may believe Mm -hmm. that Jesus is uh, the Christ, the son of God, and that you may have life in his name. Yeah, and even in those couple of statements there, that he is the Christ and the Son of God, we're clearly pulling from Old Testament themes and concepts. You know, when I read Christ or the word, that's the the Greek word Christus, which ties to Mashiach, the the Old Testament or Hebrew word for Messiah, I don't call people that necessarily. That's not a word that we use in our vocabulary a ton. But when you're a first century disciple of Jesus, you were looking for this individual. And so I've often said this, and I don't know if I've said it on the podcast yet, but if I have, I'll just repeat it again because I want us to really process this information. The, the disciples knew what they were looking for, and Jesus checked all the boxes for them. And so they were quick to say, He's gonna, we're going to follow him. Whereas for me, when I first heard about Jesus, it was really just more of a, I don't want to go to hell, right? It was a way different I had a way different perspective of what I was looking for. I knew I needed a savior. I didn't know what that looked like or what that meant. And when I gravitated toward a savior that's going to save me, I'm so grateful for it. The word Christ or Christus or Mashiach, the more I've learned about Jesus, the more it's unpacked. That verse means a whole lot more than what it did to me when I first started following him. You know what I'm saying? Gave you deeper appreciation for your savior. Totally. And John does that in, in, in unpacking it in a lot of different ways. And that's part of, you know, we, we've talked also about the structure of the books. John is one of the more structured of the books. There's Jesus does seven miracles. Yeah. There are seven different discourses, which is somewhat debated. Some, some throw another one or two in, but for the most part, most scholars are saying there's seven specific speeches that Jesus gives throughout so, so far you have seven miracles, seven speeches. Uh, there's symbols, there's signs, there's various art that's be, being dropped in here. In Reference John. to feasts. And, and some have pointed out that there's seven of those at points. Yeah. There's sevens kind of laid out through the whole thing. And then when you tie this to the book of Revelation and all of those sevens, you go, John is clearly clearly led it's by the Spirit. It's like sp- it was designed. <laughs> he's led by the Spirit, but he's sure. calculating, I'm only putting these seven things in. I'm only doing these seven things, and each of them have a, a design and a purpose and a plan for you to go, I'm going to think about this, and then I'm going to believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God. Yeah. It's neat to see those those miracles and then the discourses that follow and just what what's going on there, even yeah. just looking for the deeper meaning, you know, even just... The man born blind, you know, he's physically blind. And then their question about who sinned this, this uh, man or his parents. And, and ultimately it's going, no, he's going after spiritual blindness there, right. isn't he? He's going, let's talk about this whole, uh, okay, yeah, he can't see physically, but can you see spiritually? Right. And he came to not just give those who are physically blind sight, but to give those who are spiritually blind sight. And what a, what a neat parallel. No, it's, it's an amazing book. It, it really is, you know, second to none in many ways. And it's a good gospel that's simple to understand and fairly simple to read. So I often tell people when they first come to Jesus, just read John. I let, do too. Let's yeah. read through John together. You know, you read, let me know how far you got today. 
If you have questions, let's talk it over. It doesn't start with the genealogy like you mentioned, but it starts with these 14 verses that are just beautiful, 17 verses probably, I'd say, of, of just who the word is, what the word means. Yeah, what a chiastic structure in there. Yeah, it's amazing. So it's a really good book for someone who's just coming to Jesus to jump in and read. So I would highly recommend that. So got a favorite yeah. favorite section? I was just going to ask you the same question. So there are so many great parts of John, and I've gravitated to a ton of them. When I, when I ask this question of myself and of you, I often wonder, what are we going to say? And I'm, so I'm curious to hear what you've got. But for me, I, the one that I come back to all the time is John 6. And the whole, the whole chapter itself is amazing. I mean, Jesus feeds the 5,000 in the beginning of it. He walks on water. He has this amazing discourse where he talks about he being the bread of life. You know, you have to eat, eat of me and drink of my blood. And, yeah. and everyone's freaking out about that a little bit. And they freak out. And then it, but, but what I love the most, and, and I, don't, I hope this isn't your thing, but we've talked about this many times about how this is one of our favorite parts of the whole, yeah. this whole gospel. No, I know where you're going. Yeah, he, in, in six, uh, 665, he said, and this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And then in 666, which I don't think is an accident, I think clearly the numbering system, they like made sure that this said this. Yeah. Verse 66, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him which is woe. And then Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go as well? And Simon said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And that is how I have felt so many times in my walk with Jesus. Just I'm watching people fall away. And Jesus, I've never had this moment where I've actually heard him say this, but I've imagined him looking me in the eye and going, are you going to go too? Yeah. No, I've received eternal life from you. I know who you are. I'm not backing down now. I don't know. I don't care how hard this gets. I don't care what you push me through. I'm in. And that, that to me has always gripped me. I, I've, I've yeah. wept over that passage more I, times in my life than I'd like to admit. I, I had it as a favorite too. And it, uh, honestly, it's, I can't hear it. I can't read it without yeah. welling up a little bit because it, it, it's so beautiful that Simon gets it. It's so tragic that the others don't. And Simon, Simon Peter's going, you have the words of life, right? Why, how could I ever walk away from that? And, uh, you know, even just in my years of life and my years of, uh, of faith and years of ministry, you know, there's those times when you go, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Man, this is hard. Or sometimes I wish I didn't have to live this way or, or you know, I wasn't called to, to live this way. And, and you go, wait a minute. Everything else is is futile. Everything else leads to death. And, right. and and Simon Peter's going, no, you have the words of life. I'd have to go. Yeah, uh, what'd you go with for to, a favorite? Well, I, I had that as well. Um, Sorry, but, but John, but John ten is mm. is a favorite of mine. The, the the shepherd, the good shepherd, and you know, the one who's saying like, I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. And my sheep know me, and just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay my life down for the sheep. And this it's so wonderful, mm-hmm. but it's also, I have come that they might have life. Remember, Simon Peter said, you have the words of life. And here he's, he's declaring, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Yeah. And there's this whole thing of going, Think about how people in our world struggle to make their life great, right? Isn't that really what drives people? I, I want to have a good life. I want to have enough. I want to have love. 
And Simon's going, you have the words of life. And he's saying that. He's saying, right. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. It's like, you know, I, I've got the secret sauce. <laughs> I'll share it with you. And, and Simon Peter recognizes that, and so do many others that follow him along the way. And what a, what a beautiful, beautiful description of, I, I think it helps me also to see Jesus as this loving shepherd yeah. and a shepherd who would sacrifice himself. And uh, you can still go on, on uh, the internet and see videos of, of sheep responding to their shepherd's voice and how even sheep can be in a pack of other sheep. Mm-hmm. But when their shepherd makes a noise or a yeah. whistle or a call, those sheep that are his separate out of there. You and I could never pick them apart. Not no. ever could we tell. I know. <laughs> oh, that's Reuben, the sheep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's, there's Sarah running away I again. I love how you're naming your sheep. That's so nice. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, we have identities. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can watch them do that, and the, and the shepherd calls out, and these sheep will, will separate themselves from the other ones and run toward their shepherd. And, and for him to say this, you know, in, in a culture that knew shepherding and knew that truth, he's going, my sheep, my people know my voice, and they know that I, I have the words of life. They know that yeah. I care for them. Isn't that cool? That's great. No, and so all that to say, like, we just picked a couple of our favorites there, but you and I would both agree, I mean— John one is, is phenomenal. John, I love John five, the, you know, the healing of the man by the pool. That's phenomenal. John, John three, the Nicodemus, you know, our Nick at night joke that we've made a number of times, (laughs) you know, the, then you've got the upper room discourse in 14 through 17. You've got, uh, just this skipped over talking to the Samaritan woman in four. I I mean, I I know, right. I mean, it's crazy how many cool things happen in John and it's, it reads like a, uh, a little bit slower novel compared to Mark per se, right? Mark feels like yeah. an action movie of Jesus. This one feels a little bit more like, you know, a slower moving, high dialogue, lots of interaction, but you really understand Jesus's heart. You see who he is. And it totally makes sense that John would say at the end, I wrote this so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing in his name, you'll receive eternal life. And that's, that's so huge. Certainly we have that beautiful account that, uh, again, most earlier uh, manuscripts do not include, and that's yeah. of the woman caught in adultery and Jesus bending down and yeah. writing in the ground with this, writing in the dirt with his finger and, and saying, whoever is without sin casts the first stone and everybody leaves. And what a beautiful picture of grace again. Well, uh, and that's a good point for us to really quickly talk about. Since we did spend a little time talking about the end of Mark, yeah. you might say, what's the difference between this and the end of Mark? Why would we do this? Why would we... I know you and I have talked about it, and we both think that it's probably an original story that did happen. Whether it's in the earliest manuscripts or not, it, it fit in because it, it just fits right there. It's there's, right. it's a part of the story, and it feels more like the character of Jesus. It feels like who he is and what he's all about. Absolutely and it, aligns and with it, how he acts. Right, and him. it fits into John. So my assumption when we say the earliest manuscripts maybe not, don't have it, one of John's disciples maybe took a story that John told later and just said, yeah, we need to make sure this gets in here too. And, 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 you know, kind of shoved it in versus Mark, which doesn't fit the character of the early church, doesn't fit the literary style. Yeah. It's totally different. And you just go, uh, I'm a little hesitant with Mark 16, you know, John, what is that? End of seven, early eight. Yeah. Right. That, that phrase, that, that set of, of stories right there, that little amazing account is so beautiful Mm -hmm. and it fits. So, 
we may not hold it to the, the same extent as far as what preaching would look like, but we've used it and, and it's sure. a good story to use. So John is, we, we said John is interesting. Just a couple of things I want to point out and then, you know, we'll, we'll throw out a few things here and then, and call it a day for this one. Um, one of the things that John's really interesting with is John uses that it really, like I said, it, it is a novel. He changes things based on time of day, location, things like that. And it's interesting that Nicodemus in the beginning of the book mm-hmm. meets with Jesus at night to talk to him about Being eternal sneaky. life. Yeah. Cause he's afraid yep. he's, he's terrified a little bit of what's going on. But by the end of the book, John is taking Jesus's body down off the cross and taking it to, you know, the tomb. And in broad daylight, he's not afraid to show that he's, he cares about Jesus enough to, to, you know, carry him to the tomb. So there's a character progression there that's important for us to notice. Yeah, he's emboldened, isn't he? Yeah, and so you see that kind of dynamic, and you go, okay, is that what you're talking about when you talk about art and literary design? Yeah, that's totally what I'm saying a little bit earlier in the podcast. When you get to Nicodemus, you watch his character development, you go, man, John, really well done. The other one that I think is so much fun, and when I teach this, you know, the life of Jesus to, you know, youth pastors and stuff, when we talk about that, uh, a lot of times I spend time in John 1 because— the way he calls the disciples in John 1 is so unique. It starts with Andrew running in going, Peter, I think we found the Messiah. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's all these amazing little inter- interactions mm-hmm. and they go to Jesus to find out what's going on. And Jesus is like, what do you want? And they're, they're saying, you know, we, we basically we want to follow you. And his, he says, come and see. Yeah. And we go, oh, that's so cool. And then a little bit later, come and follow me. Come and follow and I'll make you fishers of men. Like there's this clear progression in discipleship that we see more in John then we do some of the other ones. Yeah, because even Philip mimics it. Come and see, he yep. says, you know, to his friend. And okay, let's. Yep. And what a great, what a great mindset, even uh, for us as we try to share the good news of Christ. It's not necessarily come to church and see, but it's like come, come and meet my Savior. Let me, right. let me introduce you to him. He exactly. has the words of eternal life. It's like believing in him gives us what we need. Yeah. Imagine that.